Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owned money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the, both of the debts. Now which of them will you love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins has been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Okay, so if you could grab your Bibles, you're going to want to open up to Luke chapter 7. Uh, last week... I talked about um, how at our house, for some reason, we have, I don't know if we've been flagged. I don't know if the uh, SDG&E Edison said, hey, you need to help out the roses, but we have solar panel people showing up to our house all the time. I talked about that on Sunday. On Tuesday, they were there. And so this man came up to my door. It was nighttime. So the sun had already set, so with daylight savings, it was dark, and it was late. And he came up, and he had, have you ever had anybody with a fluorescent, um, a fluorescent vest? And I don't mean like a vest. I mean, imagine, you know, the kids have those glow sticks, and they pop them. He had, glow, he had a glow stick vest. And he came up, and he said, hey! He was really excited. And he started talking about my Sprinter van out front. He goes, ah, I love your van. It's like lifted, has aggressive tires, and you've got your, uh, your racks on the top. And I'm kind of looking at him and listening because I don't have a raised van, I don't have aggressive tires, and I don't have a, I, I don't even have a rack on my van. So he's talking, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about my neighbors, wondering if he's at the wrong house. But he didn't wait. He just kept going, and he began to tell me all the reasons why I needed to have solar panels. He answered all of my questions before I even asked them. He was so excited, so focused. And by the time it began to wind down, I got to be honest, full confession, I lied. Because he wasn't going to leave. 
I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I, since I'm an expert with solar panel salesmen, he was not going to leave because he had to seal and close the deal. He had a plan. He was focused. And I'd never tried this approach before, but I said, I really don't know how long we're going to be in this house. So I, I don't think it's going to work for us. He didn't know if I was renting. He didn't know if I owned. Someone else gave me another great idea. They said, you know what? Just say, oh, you know what? Um, I'm just, this isn't my house. I'm just here with, with a friend, and he's not here right now. He, my friends were giving me all kinds of ideas. But the reason I'm sharing this with you is because that's sometimes what we feel evangelism is supposed to be. We feel like we are supposed to go and share with someone. We're supposed to make some kind of connection. We're supposed to have all the answers to their questions without them having to ask those questions. And then we feel like we have to seal the deal, take them through the sinner's prayer. That's not what it is. In fact, when he left, I thought about something that I hadn't thought about before with my many uh, uh, solar panel salesman friends. He didn't even ask me my name. I didn't know his name, and he just moved on to the next house and just kept moving. Like, I wonder if he left, if someone said, can you describe the person that you were uh, at 1648, can you describe him? I don't know if he even saw me. That is not what we're doing. When we talk about investing and inviting, what we're talking about doing is we invite people because we're invested in them, because we know them, because we see them. But to see them sometimes isn't just with our eyes, it's with our ears. It's asking questions. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was involved in people's lives. So we need to do the same thing. We need to be involved in their lives. Do you know that Jesus um, asked over 300 questions? He was only asked 180 questions. And of those 180 questions, he only answered three of them. That means that Jesus asked questions. In fact, he asked questions 100 times more than he answered questions. We need to take some pressure of ourselves. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to seal the deal. That's not what the great commandment is, is it? Now, I know that we talked about it, the great commission, but Jesus didn't call it the great commission, and he definitely didn't call it the great commandment. What's the great commandment? We talk about it all the time because we keep forgetting. We've been trained to think a certain way and we need to rethink and go back to what Jesus called us to. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. Love people as yourself. That's what we're called to. So here at Branches, um, we have this tagline, a church for people who don't go to church. And people interpret this in all kinds of unique ways. In fact, one of my favorites is a girl that came a few years ago, and she said, I love this church. It's so good to have a church for people that hate church. This is for me. And I didn't correct her. She's, I, that's what she heard because we hear what we want to hear, right? So when you see this phrase, you can sometimes think you know what it means. But there's one key word in there, one key focused word that I want us to make sure that we never lose track of, and it's this word right here. It's a church for people. So we're a church, which means, in general, the people that are part of this community are believers, believers in following Jesus. Do we have all the answers? No. 
Are we perfect? Not even close. But we are united by our intent to walk the way, walk Jesus' way, to accept him as our Savior and to try to learn what that is and grow closer to him in that journey. We are for people who aren't part of this community. We're for them. We're not trying to have an agenda with them. We're not trying to get them to do something. We're for them. Think about how that turns it upside down. The crazy thing is, when the guy showed up at my door, it was so dark, how did he know I didn't already have solar panels? It was so dark, you couldn't tell they could have been on the other side. He didn't even look. Have you ever had someone corner you? You're a follower of Christ, and they corner you, and they're talking to you about why you need to follow Jesus. I've had that happen to me so many times, and I'm thinking, hey, I'm already in, man. I agree, but I can't even get a word in edgewise. They're not for me. They're for a a plan. They're for God. But God is saying, hey, you don't have to get people to believe in me. You need to love them. That's what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to them. Love them as you love yourself. I know what some of you are saying, hey, look, I got this. I'm pretty observant. I know how things work. I watch people. I'm kind of a student of people. Well, let's, because this is a test that I'm going to give you right now. Hopefully it'll work. Uh, it's a video. In fact, someone told me there's a video like this for the FBI because they want to see how observant you are, how aware you are. So uh, I'm going to play this video, follow the directions, and then we'll see if you can figure it out, okay? How many passes does the team in white make? Go! answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? I really just want an excuse to show that video because I was, I was so focused like you were, like, I'm going to get this right. 13, yeah, I am so observant, but you missed what was happening. We can really miss. We think we know people. We think we're paying attention, but it's a skill we have to develop because it's part of loving people. So like uh, solar panel salesmen, uh, therapists seem to gather around me. I think they're concerned for me. So I have a lot of therapist friends. And I called one this week uh, and asked her, I said, you know what? This is your job. You've been doing this for years. You sit with people. And you don't have to have all the answers, but you have to listen. You have to pay attention. Can you coach me a little bit and tell me what you've learned in being observant of people, of watching them, of listening to them, of seeing them? And this is what she said. She, and she said it so well that I said, you should probably write this stuff down. <laughs> she, I knew she was brilliant, and I knew that she had a way with words. But she has a way of going down to the core. So I'm going to do my best to repeat what she coached to me. 
She said, we need to learn to listen. She said, like wine, you need to let it, in case you didn't know this, you need to open it and let it breathe. We need to let people breathe. Because in our culture, we're not really given permission to share any hurt or pain or suffering. Uh, in the same way that we're kind of awkward in celebrating their, their desires, their hopes, their dreams, their accomplishments. It's hard for us to really see people because when you see especially suffering or pain, you want to change the channel. In fact, what she said is she's found that people that are suffering, because we don't want to hear it, we sometimes blame them for their suffering. We blame them for what they're going through because we don't know how to deal with it. But she says we need to begin to create this space. Uh, I met her when she was young, and um, she, was, she didn't grow up in a home where she even knew who Jesus was, the, that faith wasn't communicated. So she, had, she said, before I was a believer, I could tell, the way she said it was, she said, I had a BS meter for every believer that came to talk to me. She said, I knew if they cared about me, if they saw me, or if they had an agenda, if they were just trying to get me to believe what they were believing. And she said, but when I came to have a faith, it was because someone was sharing, someone I trusted, someone I knew, someone that saw me. And when they shared, I knew that they believed what they were saying. And because I trusted them and I knew that they cared about me, I listened. And for her, like just about everyone else, it was a process. It's not one person. It's a, it's a combination of people, of situations, of circumstances that God uses in our lives to draw us to him. And so for those that are in your life, it's going to be a process. Jesus, like we said, saw people. I want us to look in and I want us to see how Jesus does this, and especially how he teaches this Pharisee how to look. So open up your Bibles, if you could, to Luke chapter 7. And this is one of my uh, favorite passages because of one line in it, because I think this one line opens up everything that's happening. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at the feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, talking about Jesus, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So Jesus then talked with the Pharisee Simon. He said, Simon, and he gives him this situation because he realizes that Simon cannot see this woman. And so he says, Imagine there's two people. I want to tell you something, Simon. Imagine there's two people. One of them owes 500 denarii, but for you, we'll call it dollars. $500. Another person owns 50. Basically, 
One person owes 10 times as much as the other. And so this lender says to both of those who borrowed this money, you're forgiven. You don't have to pay this back. And he said, who is going to be more thankful? Who's going to be more grateful? The one that was forgiven 500 or the one that was forgiven 50? So Simon says, well, I guess the one that was forgiven more. And then he says this. This is the line that I was talking about. Then he turns towards the woman. So he turns away from Simon and he looks at the woman. He's talking to Simon, but he's looking at the woman. And he says to Simon, do you see this woman? There is so much embedded in that statement. And this passage has always grabbed my heart because I realize I don't really see people. I want to. I want to have that compassion heart. There's some of you I'm looking out here and some of you I know, and you are so compassionate. You are so good with people. You are, you want to see people. You enjoy people. You're weird to me because it's not natural for me. I am scared of people. I'm not making this up. A lot of us introverts, we're introverts for a reason because we've gotten worked over. So we don't want to see people because we've been so hurt that we kind of pull back. I don't know Simon's background, but I know that Simon doesn't know this woman's background. He can't see her. And so Jesus is trying to draw Simon's attention and everyone else that's there at the dinner party and us into this reality that a lot of times we just don't see people. So I want us to listen to a man. I'm going to read it. And I know that's scary because every time somebody reads, as one of my friends said, you open up the book and you start reading and people pass out. And then you close it and tell a story and everybody wakes back up. But I want to read this because I believe that Ken Geyer can see this woman like I was never able to see her. If you don't have this book, which most of you don't, it's called uh, Moments with the Savior, and it's one of my favorite books. It's, it's a, a go-to book for me, because Ken Geyer takes all of these scriptures, all of these times, these moments with Jesus, and he sees things that we can't see. So I want to read this to you. Um, I've never had this happen with this before, so I may have to do this all on my own. My Kindle's not opening. That's really bumming me out. Okay, we're going to see how well I can do this. Not as good as Ken Geyer, but so be it. So I want you to join me in going into this woman's life. This woman says she's a sinful woman. She's a prostitute. This woman, what she does is that she sleeps with men for money to survive. And so there's been many nights where she's in her bed and she's looking up and there's some man there. And as she's looking up at the ceiling, she's thinking, how'd I get here? And these men come and they don't ever see her. They don't ever really want to be with her. They just want something from her. And once they get it, they move on. And so she probably thinks to herself, all men are the same. And so the man leaves, but she still has to go to work for the next day. And so she cleans herself up, she puts on her clothes, and then up on, up on the shelf is a very expensive bottle of perfume. That's what this alabaster jar is. 
It's the most valuable thing she owns. And so she puts a little dab here, a little dab there. And then she goes and places herself somewhere where all the men pass. And she knows all the tricks so that she can be seen. So she'll move a certain way. She'll move her hair a certain way. And she'll even get in the direction of the air so that the air blows the perfume in the direction of the men. And so she sees this man approaching. And so she goes into the performance. And as the man's passing by, it's Jesus. He's on his way to a dinner appointment. Someone's invited him over for dinner. And as he comes, she kind of looks at him and she says something cute. And he stops and he starts talking to her. But she notices he's not checking her out up and down. He's looking at her. And he's talking to her. And we don't know the conversation, but we know that he sees her. We know that because as he walks away, something's going on inside of her. And she doesn't know where he went, but she's, she's like, I need, I need something. I need what this man has. And so she begins to run down the street. Do you know where the, that Jesus guy went? Do you know where he went? I don't know. He went around the corner. I heard he's going to Simon's house, the Pharisee. The Pharisee. You know what the word Pharisee means? It means the separated ones. The prostitutes do not mix with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees do not mix with the prostitutes, at least not publicly. But she goes to this house anyways because it's the first time in forever that someone has actually seen her. And so she goes to the house, and she barges in, and Jesus is having dinner. Imagine having dinner, and someone just walks into your house. And so she walks into the house, and she begins, and she goes right to Jesus' feet, and she takes this extremely expensive jar of perfume, and she uses it for his feet. Not to woo him, not to draw him to her, but out of gratitude, out of love that she knows that she's fully accepted, fully forgiven. And so she begins to walk, to, to, as she's leaning over and doing this with his feet, she starts to cry. And her tears are falling on his feet. And so she doesn't have anything to wipe it with, so she uses her hair. The hair that she used to draw in men, she is now using to wash his dirty feet. To us, we're like, well, that is just weird. Why would you? Because that is a sign of, it's a gift. It's caring for someone. It's not sexual. It's, it's humble. It's, it's, it's love. And so as she's wiping his feet, this Pharisee, Simon, sits back, ah, I know what kind of guy you are, Jesus, because you're not a prophet. If you were a prophet, you would know what kind of woman this is. He doesn't even say it out loud. It's in his heart. But Jesus, not only does he see this woman, but he sees Simon. He knows Simon. He knows where he's from. And so then he asks him that question. Simon, what would you think if someone owed $500 and someone owned $50? and they were both forgiven, who would, who would express more thankfulness, more gratitude? As he's asking this question, he knows the answer, but he wants Simon to come to that conclusion, right? Notice he's asking questions. He's not even giving answers here. He's asking questions because he wants Simon to come to these conclusions. And then he asks, do you see this woman? Because Simon doesn't. 
And then he begins to describe this woman. I came, you didn't wash my feet, which is customary in that culture. When someone arrives, hey, you want something to drink? Hey, are you hungry? Hey, can I take your coat? Those are common things you do. In this culture, when you show up, hey, can I wash your feet? But he doesn't offer. But this woman does. And this woman continues to give where Simon doesn't. Jesus sees. As I was talking with my therapist friend, she said something that I really like. She said, you know what, when we come to church, maybe we shouldn't just talk about what happens, but maybe we should just do it. Do it right then. See someone. So what does it mean to see someone? So I'm going to invite a, a friend up. Uh, I'm going to invite up a friend that when I heard this story, I thought I was going to share this story with you. I thought I was going to share this story, um, and I was worried about getting through it because I've shared it three times this week, and I've broken down bawling, crying each time. I was with the staff the last time, and I said, I got to share this with you. And I'm, I'm not just talking about tears, like, trickling down. I mean, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm going to get up in front of everybody and not be able to get through it. And they're like, no, that's great. And I'm like, nah. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. So I want to invite up my, uh, uh, basically, one of my nephews, Sutton Hulse. If you could come on up, if you could welcome him up for us, please. So Sutton had a situation. His dad is a pastor, also is one of my good buddies, um, pretty much a brother. And uh, he shared, his, his dad shared the story with me. I should be on, let me see. Yeah. Yeah, you said I got to go. So he shared the story with me, and um, I called Sutton and asked him to share it with me. And as he's sharing it, I'm crying. And uh, Sutton here is in his gap year for medical school, so he's studying to be a surgeon. And as he was sharing the story with me, I thought, man, he's sharing this like a surgeon. He, like, he's caring about it, but he's just going through the details. So um, can you share that morning what your dad shared at church and then what happened that Sunday night? Because you're multiple church-going guy. You went at night as well, I guess. So can you share what happened and what you heard that spurred you on? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely can. So that morning, uh, we were talking about the importance and the value in noticing people very similarly to this morning's message. And uh, there was a passage read out of a book called God Space, and it was all about a story where a girl noticed a super small detail about a cafeteria worker. It was her, you know, nail polish color, and it was something so simple and, uh, you know, insignificant seemingly, but it, but it bridged the gap between the two of them. And day after day, uh, this girl kept in contact with this cafeteria worker. And it eventually led to that trusting that you were talking about where they built that relationship. And then uh, in the story came, came to pass that the cafeteria worker had cancer. And they had built that relationship. And so the girl ended up fundraising for her. And it was this beautiful story about something simple, just, just noticing in the smallest way and then acting on it obediently that led to this incredible blessing uh, where this cafeteria worker was shown the love of God. And so we heard that, and then I just thought, man, that is so cool. That is so inspiring. Like, that's crazy. Okay, little, like, nail polish colors. That's easy. <laughs> and uh, later that night, 
Uh, we went to, there's a, the young adult services at okay, night. Okay, so, so you say later that night. Let's go to the, the, late, the late, late night. Now, I, I don't know this hour. <laughs> it's morning. I've forgotten actually. this it's hour. Not even. <laughs> but um, some people, some vampires, go out at like midnight to Denny's. So you make yeah. it to Denny's with some of your friends. Oh, you yeah. went to the Live Coast Sunday night. You go to Denny's and you have a plan. Well, maybe not a plan, but you, you were yeah, going to go to Denny's we were, anyways. We were going to go to Denny's anyways, but, but there, were, there were a few of us friends that were inspired by that. And, you know, even into the early morning hours. And so uh, we just thought, let's, let's try this. And we had our waitress, and she was just so sweet. And she kept, she kept hanging around our table and so eventually we were like, she, she wants to talk. Like, we could tell she wants to talk. And um, we were like, what, what can we notice about her? Like, what little thing can we notice about her? And she was wearing a name tag. And so one of my friends who isn't, she's a German girl who's not from around here. But so she was like, her name is so cool. So she said, hey, I love your name. And it was that small bridge right there. And she said, oh, yes. And she started to talk about how it was a family name. We're going to leave the name secret, by the way, because yeah. we don't want you going to Denny's looking for this. Yeah, lady. exactly. So she goes into how it was a family name, and that opened up the door to talk about family and something a little bit beyond just, uh, you know, surface level things. And, and it's you and two and girls, it's me right? me and two other friends, yeah, and that was, it. that was it. We noticed the name tag. We went about eating, and then she kept coming back, and she'd talk more about, about her family and... So then we were like, we started to ask her questions about, hey, why are you working this super late shift? And she started to talk about um, her daughters and some of the struggles that her family was going through at the time. And uh, just, it eventually led to talking about, well, we asked about her younger daughter. She had two daughters. And we asked about her younger daughter. And then she just, you know, sort of unloaded, and we're like, well, there it all was. That's why she kept coming back, and she went on to explain to us that she had cancer uh, that had metastasized and had moved all throughout her body, and up to that time, she had had 19 surgeries um, to remove various tumors, and then um, she had renal failure, and so she had a kidney transplant, um, and then she was told at 43 years old that she was pregnant, and she was super scared. And this was seven years prior, right? This is seven so years prior 50. to us at Denny's, so she's now 50, and she was, she was just telling us I was so scared in that moment, and I didn't know what to do, but I, I was trusting God that, that this baby was from him. And all the doctors were telling me, you have to give it up because... As the baby grows, it's, it's going to lacerate the kidney that was transplanted um, because of the position that they transplanted it in. So, she, her, so the lady, she had two kidneys, obviously, but they failed, and so her sister donated one of them, but they couldn't take they the two They left the other two in. So she had right. three kidneys. Right. So they put the other one around the front where it was in danger of being lacerated when the baby grows. So all the doctors were saying you have to give the baby up or you're not going to make it, and neither is the baby. And she, she refused, and she, she ended up asking the doctor, is it final that no matter what I do, this baby will die, or that I'll die? And he said, well, 
well, no, it would be the movement that would cause the kidney to lacerate. So she said, okay, then no movement. And she ended up laying in a bed for five months straight, no moving. And she had the baby, and it was healthy. And she goes on to tell us, you know, all about her daughter that's seven years old now who's healthy. And, and it was just this incredible story that we're like, oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy. We're looking at each other like, it's exactly like the story. And we're like, <laughs> so, you know, and uh, it, it was one of those things where we were so inspired by the story of just noticing some little detail about somebody that tells them that you see them. And we just tried to practice it, you know. It, it, the nail polish in the story was so small. And we thought, let's just choose something small, something so manageable. And we chose the name tag. And it just... You know, man, when, when people feel seen, like what they're willing to share with you and then, and then the bond we made with her. And so three weeks went by and we're still inspired. During those three weeks, we decided that we were going to work to help her out in some way. And, you know, at first they were like, let's, let's do everything. Let's pay her medical bills and let's, and I was like, no, no, no. Like we, we don't need to be the end all for her. Just maybe a stepping stone of blessing in her path. And so we went around uh, asking people for what they could do and trying to fundraise for her. And we ended up uh, getting about $700 worth of gift cards to different places, Costco, grocery stores, uh, things like that, Walmart, um, at Target. Because the women's ministry at your church had done this, not knowing for who. Not knowing for who. And they just had done this. And then this. you guys and then, connected, and they said, we want to And they were it. like, this is it. This is this is what, yeah, you can have all of them. And so they gave us the gift cards. And uh, three weeks later, we went back to her, and um, I presented them to her. And I said, uh, you know, hey, I know you had talked about being a part of a church yourself and how you just kind of attend, uh, and they don't really see you. But I said, our, our church is very much a family, and we want to love you like you're a part of that family. So we, we brought in flowers with, with our gift cards. You, take a step back. You're not, you got to set this up. Because this is, this is where I started to lose it. <laughs> um, so I'll fill in if I mess this up. Then go, you, ahead. Then you, go ahead. So she, in their conversations, they didn't have a preset agenda. We're going to lead this lady. To, they just wanted to know her. They're like, let's just let's connect with people, right? Like that's what we're called to do. Love people. Connect with people. So they asked these questions. And they found out as she was talking, she was a believer. A uh, Catholic lady who, whose mm -hmm. faith was in Christ. Yes. And so as they're talking and sharing this, you guys left, but when you came back, you didn't just have a, like, you had a, a parade plan almost. So she's in there working, and you'd already seen her a few times, but you come in. We did. We came in sort of one at a time. Well, I was like, we don't want to overwhelm her. Let's, let's come in one at a time. And I came in first, and... Uh, presented her with that, talking to her as the first one and, and just saying, I remember our conversations and how you told us all this stuff. And like, I come from a church that is a family and that was so inspiring and we want to love you like that. And there were, our other friends came in after that and first one came in, we, we brought her flowers. So what happened when you handed her the flowers? <laughs> we came in the doors with just the flowers and she just like, she just started bawling, and she, she only saw the flowers, and she, she broke down, and she just started hugging us all, and she hadn't even seen the gift yet, 
but it was right there, but she hadn't even seen it yet. And she was just, she was so touched by the fact that we had seen her and that we were back with, you know, this gift of flowers. And then, and then we handed her the, the gift that she opened and saw all the gift cards and, you know, even, even more, you know, we were like, oh man, I hope this doesn't kill her. Like she was just <laughs> like, she was just so, uh, so appreciative, but just weeping and, um, she was hugging us like crazy, and, and we just thought, like, wow, this, we did it. Like, we noticed somebody, and she, she's felt that love that, that God's wanted her to feel. And then she stops her crying enough to talk, and she says, just 10 minutes before you guys came in, I was telling a coworker, I don't know how I'm going to make it. We've, the medical bills have caught up with us. We can't pay them. We don't, we don't have money for groceries anymore. We don't have money for our rent anymore. Like, we have to choose things because the medical bills take precedence. And so they've caught up with us now, and I don't know how we're going to make it. And it's all I've been praying to God for. He said, 10 minutes before you guys walked in, I said to my coworker, I don't know how we're going to do it this month. And she said, you walk in 10 minutes later. She said, I know God hears me. Because of what you did, I know my God hears me. And, and she, you know, she's just hugging us so much. And she's just, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it was this incredible moment where something so simple led to an incredible sharing of the love of God, which I think is what, what he wants for all of us and all of his children. And so... Yeah, it was, it was a really cool moment for us. And when Sutton was sharing the story with me, because I, I keep wanting to hear the story. This is like my fourth time hearing the story. I can't get enough of it because there's so many pieces of it that are just right. Like I was wondering, why do I keep crying every time I hear the story? Because there's something right happening. She, was, she even called out the coworker. Mm-hmm. She goes, 10 minutes before, you, come on. And so she called him out from back. He's like, what's going on? Now, remember, there's people in Denny's. Like, there's people there with their pancakes yeah. and their eggs at midnight. Oh, they're watching us. Yeah, all the Everybody's watching. Like... And this guy comes out, and she said that she'd been praying. Yeah. She goes, I'm talking to God, and I don't know if he's hearing me. Yeah. You ever felt that? Like, God, are you hearing me? In fact, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but the wording she uses is like, I feel dry. Like, I yeah. feel dried out. She like, said, I'm dry, and I feel exhausted. Yeah. God, but... Even though I don't feel God, even though everything is at its worst, right? And she's telling this to the coworker just because she has to talk to someone. And as she's talking to him, she goes, but my God hears me. Nothing's happened yet. They haven't walked mm-hmm. in yet. And she says that. Yeah. And then when you guys yeah, walk she in. she calls the guy over to confirm. Like, she's like, <laughs> I'm Come not here. lying. Like, you never believe this. Yeah. Okay, now, in your surgeon way, you said, and then she said, but Denny's is filled. At oh, yeah. what volume oh, yeah. is she speaking, and is she talking to just you or everyone in Denny's? Oh, she's speaking at a normal volume, and at that time, there weren't three. Three of us had talked to her originally, and we had some friends with us that we were like, come along. Like, they were also hanging out with us. So we were like, we're gonna go, we got to go do this thing. You guys can come along, and they didn't even know what they were getting themselves into, <laughs> but they came along. So there were six of us there, so we're kind of like... I mean, we're like standing around in a circle in the middle of Denny's. So she has to address all of us. She doesn't even care. She's like, 
I know because of what you guys did, my God hears me. And, you know, everybody at Denny's is like, whoa, what's going on <laughs> over there? What's, what are they talking about? And, yeah, she, she didn't even care. She didn't care at all. She is, yeah. And when I hear that story and I think of what Jesus said to this Pharisee and what he's saying to us, what we mean by investing and inviting, I just, I wish we could have been there to hear this lady standing up in Denny's. Not just so that those six could hear, but everyone else could hear. And she said, my God hears me. Which is also another way to say, my God sees me. And he used these three knucklehead post-college people who were just going to get some pancakes and said, you know what, hey, let's just pay attention to what's happening around us. They didn't say, okay, we're gonna go find this waitress or waiter, whoever's with us, and we're... They just said, let's open our eyes. Let's look. And look what God does. And here's the crazy thing, and I want to close with this. Actually, let me let you sit so you don't have to stand here looking all. <laughs> Can we thank Sutton for coming up? When my friend said that we need to learn to listen, I found in my heart, not as a natural lover of people, Sorry if you had some false image of me or other pastors, but I found that when I listen to people and when I watch them, something happens inside. God creates this love and this compassion. You don't have to have it ahead of time. Just pay attention, notice, listen, look. And as you do, God will do something inside of you where you begin to love. You begin to come up with crazy ideas like, okay, we're going to pay all over $200,000 in medical bills. We've got this. Because you just feel invincible because something happens inside of you when you can see other people. What if loving other people isn't just for them? What if seeing other people isn't just for them? What if listening to other people isn't just for them, but maybe it's also for us? I've had people that have stopped and listened into my life and I see something happen to them and I'm like, what's going on? God will place that love in us. And I'll close with this. There's another passage that is connected with this. You may not immediately see the connection, but it's there. Jesus asked at another time, in Matthew 7, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I mean, think of the visual there. Jesus is saying, look, you're looking at the sawdust in someone else's eye, and yet you've got a log hanging out of your eye. So what, do you, what happens when you, don't have a, when you have a log in your eye? Well, obviously it's painful, but you can't see, can you? You've got a log there. You can't see. Why can you not see? Because you're looking at the sawdust in someone else's eye. You've already placed who they are. You've already made a judgment of who other people are. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite or you actor. First, take the plank out of your own eye, which is another way to say, don't judge them. Just see them. Come with a blank slate. Why don't you come and try to see this person for the first time? Take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And for 
Sutton, it was the story of, of this lady noticing another lady's nail polish, the lunch lady's nail polish. But maybe it's you hearing this story of, of, of a group of young people that took the log out of their eyes and said, we're just going to walk and try to see people for the first time. And as they're seeing this person, as they are trying, they're able to see. And then God places that love inside of them. And then he moves them. Let's do this this week. This week, why don't we try to begin to notice people around us? Not just people far away. Maybe your spouse. Maybe your kids. Why don't you try to see them new for the first time? Listen for people's story. Give them space to breathe. Now, that doesn't mean you get all weird and approach people you don't know that well and go, tell me, what's going on in your life? No, really, I want to know. Like, you're going to be awkward in the beginning. But go with that intention to see people, to hear people. And commit daily to this prayer. Dear Father in heaven, give me the eyes to see people around me. What if we just start with prayer? God, give me eyes to see. Give me a heart to see. That's what we mean by invest and invite. Easter's coming up. We've got all these crazy things we're doing. You've got stuff that you're doing. You've got small groups. You've got your own faith that's growing. Don't approach people like, a, like my personal solar panel salesman, my buddy. Don't approach that way. Come to listen, to learn with no agenda and let God take it from there. Then not only can you see them, but you can hear God moving inside of you, directing your steps. Isn't that what we want? So I wanna pray for us. I'm gonna invite um, our worship team up as they guide us. So if you could, if you could stand with me if you're able, if you feel like you need to stay sitting, seated, then uh, please feel comfortable to do that as well. I'm gonna ask for God to, to guide us. Father, we surrender to you. We surrender to you our ideas, our judgments, our fears, our agendas. We wanna be followers of the way, Lord, your way but we have some habits. We, uh, we make quick blink decisions. We ask, Father, that uh, you would give us eyes to see, that right now you would begin to bring people to our hearts and our minds and that we would pray for them now. Direct our steps. Direct our ears and our eyes. And above all, Lord, may they know like our waitress friend, that you hear, that you see us, that you will never forsake us. May we be messengers of that truth. We ask for this privilege and this opportunity in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the things, I am one of those people that loves, that loves getting to know people. So un, unlike Bug, um, I don't know all of you, but uh, one of the things I hate is going to, I, like, I love going to parties, I love going to events, to the chagrin of my wife who wants me to like, she's like, let's go to parties, let's go to events, but we don't have to be the first one there and the last one to leave. Um, and unfortunately for her, that is, that is my operant, that's just part of who I am, it's in my DNA. 
One of the things I hate going to, though, events I hate going to are networking events because for work, especially like my alumni networking events, because that's the place, the first question that they ask you is, so what do you do? And that is my least favorite question to get from someone I don't know, because it makes me feel like they're trying to get something out of me. You know, they're trying to get something from me instead of trying to get to know me. And it is one of the worst feelings when you go and meet someone new. I've known, I've known people for, I think I've known T-Pain for a long time, and I think just like a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, so T-Pain, what do you do for work? You know, um, having no idea uh, what he did. Um, but, you know, that feeling like you're being used for, for some other purpose is a terrible feeling. And one of the things that we often feel is like, gosh, I, you know, we feel like, oh, we got to go out and do these things that, that we hear, which in Sutton's case, Sutton knows that he is loved. He is known by God, and he, he, he knows that he's known by God, and he wanted to share that love. And that is an outpouring from his heart, and that's how it should be. But for some of us, it is, we have to, be, we have to know that we are known first, and that know that God loves you and looks at you past what your job description is, what the last thing that you said to your kid that, that, that you kind of is sitting in your skull, that the last terrible thing you did. We have to know that God knows us and knows us for who we are, which are his little kids, his babies, his sons and daughters. And that's what we need to know first at some times before we go out and think like, I got it, I've got my checklist, let's do this, do that. And I'm, I know that's not what Boog is saying. Boog is saying, hey, if you know that God loves you and it's something that you feel and it is an outpouring for you, go out and get to know people. Share, share who you are with them, get to know them and that is something that comes naturally. That is something that will flow naturally from that situation. So that being said, know that God loves you deeply and wants to know you. And with that, I'm going to pray. Lord God, thank you for knowing us. Thank you for sending your son down to, to sacrifice himself for us so that we can know you in God's love. Amen.